The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. And a lot going on since we last spoke. First off, shout out to everyone who joined on the youtube show we did on friday first time we did the show on youtube wanted to try it out just a kind of a random friday thing wanted to see how it would go and it went pretty damn well so thank you all for that and it looks like that might be something we're gonna do a little bit more moving forward so stay tuned for more details on that but since we last spoke since that show on friday we found out a couple of hours after we wrapped that Francis Ngannou, his next fight, his next opponent is set for March. It looks like it's March 8th at this point from what I've been told, but we're going to find out for sure, I believe, on Monday when they have the press conference. Francis Ngannou is boxing Anthony Joshua, which is friggin' insane. Which is friggin' insane. It's, a, it's unbelievable how Francis Ngannou has taken the cliche term now, at least in this space, the fumbling of the bag, and turn it into a positive. Like, fumbling the bag is now a good thing because of Francis Ngannou. It's incredible. And as I've stated on social media numerous times, may us all strive to fumble the bag like Francis Ngannou, who is about to make another floppity jillion dollars to box Anthony Joshua. So that's going to be a crazy-ass weekend because we have that fight. 
on Friday, and then we have UFC 299 on Saturday. It's going to be wild. As far as the UFC goes, we have been wondering, we have been waiting. When's Dana going to announce some fights? It appears like he's going to announce more today. At least that's what he's been promising while he was doing his live Instagram things on vacation. Uh, but he couldn't wait to announce two fights. On Sunday night, Dana announces the co-main event for UFC 299, which is shaping up to be an incredible friggin' card. The co-main event is a five-rounder between Dustin Poirier and Benoit Saint-Denis, which is insane. That is a crazy fight, and I got to be honest, not one I expected to see. But the more we talked about Dustin Poirier and the, the more we looked at potential options for him, the more this makes a little more sense because I think some of the fights he was hoping to get just weren't possible. Like the Nate fight was never a thing. And I assume we're going to talk about that in a moment at some point throughout this program. And some of the other options that could have been in play, not really possible. And then we found out a little bit more why when Dana announced that Charles Oliveira is not fighting Islam Makachev. He's fighting Armin Sarukian at UFC 300, which, by the way, I love that fight. I love that fight so much. That is incredible matchmaking. And as we said on our reaction podcast yesterday, shout out to the UFC and the matchmakers. They're doing the thing. They are doing the thing, and they're doing it right. Now, what does this mean for Islam Makachev? I don't really know. Dana did say he was a little dinged up. I don't know if you want to wait. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you want to wait till October to have his on fight, but you're playing with fire if you don't. So I don't really know what's going to happen there. And then the other thing is, what happens to Justin Gaethje? Does he wait for Islam? Because Dana said that the winner of Oliver Sarukian is getting the title shot. So what does this mean for Justin Gaethje? Does this mean he's going to defend the BMF title? Maybe they do him and Max Holloway? That'd be fun as hell. But I wonder what this all means on that end. So a lot to kind of digest, a lot to think about, but I want to turn it all over to all of you guys because we have a lot to talk about. Real quick, we're starting a little early because I have an incredibly busy day. I have like a million interviews today. Uh and they start at 11 a.m. Eastern, so I have to get this like wrapped and packed and produced on the pod network before that. And then it's just like a whole day full of interviews, uh, which I think you guys will like. So let's get into this thing. Let's hear from all of you. And let us begin with Moneyline Mike. What's up, Moneyline Mike? You just have to unmute yourself. You got me? Yep. What's up, man? My bad about that. Uh, what, first off, Happy New Year to you. I know it's a little late on that, but Happy New Year to you and everybody in the space. Um, the, I had one question, one, two questions, and then kind of a statement. Why is everybody ragging on Dustin for taking the BSD fight when they were complaining about him sitting? And then finally he takes a tough opponent, and everybody's like, this is the dumbest decision you could have made. The guy finally did what he had to do. He's coming up against a tough fight. It's like a – like they were uh, – what was it? Um, a sports illustrator or somebody put like a number one contender fight for BMF. They're two BMFers, but I'm excited for that. And then my number two, my questions are, uh, 
are we going to get more of these five-round co-main events? Because we were supposed to have Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, Amir, Brandon Moreno is a five-rounder, and now Dustin and BSD is a five-rounder. Uh, are you think that's going to be more common in this year and like kind of like showcase these number one contender fights, even though Armin and Charles isn't a five rounder? But I kind of feel like those fights all feel like num like number one ish contender fights. So I would love to see that more often. And then two, now that uh, Nate Diaz and Jorge are confirming this boxing match, I thought that was Jorge's unretired tweet. I thought that was meaning that he was going to fight. Justin for the BMF title in uh th at 300 but now that kind of looks like it's off the, like off the board so are we getting Justin and Max for the BMF at 300 so that's all I got to say I appreciate you for everything you do thank you thanks man a uh, lot to unpack there so we'll start with the Dustin Poirier thing I didn't I mean I didn't see anybody ragging on Poirier I think this is I mean this is probably as good as it can get right now. I mean, could he have fought like a Jim Miller or Paul Felder? Sure. I think people have been like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But there's a lot of people feel like Dustin could win this fight. Like, I feel like Dustin can win this fight. BSD is, is really good, but he hasn't fought anybody like Dustin Poirier yet. Like, not even close. So, I think it's a super good fight. It's probably the craziest fight on paper right now. And that includes DDP versus Strickland. This fight's going to be incredible. Like it's going to be wild. So I, I didn't really see anybody giving Dustin shit. And if you're giving Dustin shit, then it's probably the wrong thing you should be doing. Cause this is a ballsy fight. He has a lot to lose here. Honestly, like, and I think there is more of a reward to this than people give it credit for. Dustin is a big name, and we've seen what happens when some of these fighters go back and get a big win. Look at what Justin Gaethje did last year. Beats Rafael Fazeev. Goes in there, steps back, beats a dangerous dude. Then he gets the BMF fight, and now he's probably going to fight for the belt. And if Dustin wants to get a title shot, like, this, these are the kind of fights you're going to have to go back and take. Uh, and I think a lot of people, especially the hardcore fan base, they see Benoit Santini as a pretty dangerous cat. So, yeah, I love it. As far as, like, the five-rounder thing, I think, I don't know if we'll see this, like, all the time. But, I mean, we're certainly not going to see this on, like, Apex cards or anything. But the occasional you know, fight night event or that's on the road or maybe a pay-per-view doesn't have two title fights. Could we see it as long as the star power is really good? Sure. Why the hell not? Uh, but I like it for this fight. And I would have loved it for Saruki and Oliveira. But the way I, I view that fight right now is I don't even know if you're going to need a round for that fight. I think that fight's going to be nuts. It's going to be pure chaos until someone goes Betty by. And it's going to be a crazy-ass fight. <laughs> the Mazadal Diaz thing, I, I figured this was going to come up. Um, everybody saw the, the tweet from Happy Punch uh, that this was a done deal. It was confirmed. Uh, I am here to tell you it is not a done deal. Um, is it being discussed? Yes. Is this what all the parties want? Yes. Ariel tweeted that last night as well. Uh, it is, we're at the in the work stage for this fight. 
Uh, there's multiple reasons why we are in the in the work stage. Uh, I will share more about that if this fight becomes like a full 100% thing. Uh, I can assure you there are a lot of upset people about that tweet last night uh, because it's not a done deal. Uh, it's not a done deal in terms of that fight. Having said that, I told you guys for weeks probably well over a month now that for those who were thinking that Nate Diaz was going to come back at UFC 300, when I kept saying, Hey, listen, there's not a lot of things that would shock me about UFC 300, but Nate Diaz fighting at UFC 300 would be shocking. Again, this there, I had no insight to this fight whatsoever. This is kind of what my gut was telling me, knowing this business the way that I do. And I've learned over the last few years that this was a viable option. I knew Nate wasn't fighting at UFC 300. And I had a pretty damn good feeling that if Jorge Mazadal was going to fight again, it was not going to be in MMA. It was going to be in boxing. He was going to box. He's got his own freaking boxing promotion. And when you have a guy like Nate that's out there, at least for now, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And I think that fight, if it gets made and if it gets done, is going to sell a lot. And it's going to be a big build and all of that stuff. So uh, I learned a little bit more about it. To say that it's done and it's confirmed is just not true. Um, will I be, sh do I think it's going to happen? Probably, but to report it and say that it's done is just not true. It's just not true. There are roadblocks. There are still hurdles to jump over. There's things that need to be ironed out before that is a done deal. So that fight's not done. Is it being talked about? Yes. Is it done? No. What this means for 300, I don't know. Maybe they do do Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway at UFC 300 for the BMF title. Be pretty freaking cool. And for those who have listened on to the next one over the years, uh, that is like the fight for me. That is the fight I have to see at some point before both guys move on with their careers. And the fact that the UFC went with Aljamain Sterling versus Calvin Cater instead of Aljamain Sterling versus Max Holloway and now seeing that Islam might be hurt, and what are we going to do with Justin Gaethje and UFC 300 needing a compelling and sellable main event, that one would probably do it. Now, it's not the biggest star power main event you could make for UFC 300, but when we're talking about chaos and insanity, Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway is the main event, and if you do like Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad is the co-main event, or you do something else and do three title fights, but that's the main event, that's pretty cool. And we get Charles Oliveira versus Armin Saruki. And on top of that, not to mention the other fights that are announced, that's not a bad lineup. So I don't know what this means for Gaethje. I don't know if we're going to do the Holloway fight. I have no idea. I would love to see it, but I don't know what's going to happen there. So that's where we're at with, with all that other stuff. But more to be... Uh, to follow up on with some of this other stuff, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Uh, Lee, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. <clears throat> uh, I just wanted to get your uh, your thoughts on the whole Ian Gary on the MMA hour yesterday with him having those, like, written lines and still not even seeing the point about, like, the whole um, Neil Magny situation. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get your take on that and uh, have a heck of a morning. Boy, I got to tell you, that was a roller coaster of an interview because as things were progressing and as things were going on, I'm sitting there, I'm like, excuse me, 
I'm like, man, this is, this is kind of tough to listen to. Like I can only imagine what this guy went through. And then as things continued on and he started responding to other things and asked if he regrets anything that he's done and him saying things that he said, I was like, man, he's not great at this. <laughs> he's not great at it. Um, I saw a lot of people saying he was like reading lines. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but at the same token, I, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Shout out to him for at least putting out there that, you know, the PI does have like a program where you can improve your mental health and all that stuff. And I think that's great. I, that's something that, you know, I'd heard might've been the case, but to hear a fighter on the biggest show in MMA on planet earth, come out and say that, I think that's, that's good to know. I think that's a very, that's a big deal. And I think, I hope fighters take advantage of that while they're there. Having said that, did, I just didn't love the last probably 15 minutes of the interview. I didn't love it. I didn't love the Neil Magny thing. I didn't love how he lumps all of sort of the MMA personalities together as MMA media as a whole. I didn't love that. Um, yeah, there's a lot I didn't like. There's a lot I didn't like. Because, look, I was there when Neil Magny said what he said. And to me, it just it sounded like he was just saying stuff. Like, it didn't seem like he was outright saying, like, I beat up my kids or anything. Uh, and I thought, I like, and here Ian, like, kind of react the way that he did, at least being in the room and trying to play armchair psychologist. I was like, man. I think he's kind of reaching for something here. Um, and, I, and I wasn't the only one who thought that. There were a lot of media members in the room who heard it and were like, huh, this is, but it didn't seem like he was being all that serious about it. Um, yeah, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Now, in terms of getting yourself over in a sport like this, I don't think it hurts him all that much because people are, I, I think he's going to, He's going to continue to get over. Whether you like him or not, you're going to want to pay to see him fight. Whether you are a fan of his or whether you want to see him get the shit kicked out of him, you're going to pay money to see if that happens. I think Jeff Neal is going to have a lot of fans. And by the time February 17th rolls around and we get to UFC 298, even with the card looking the way that it is and some of the other fights on there, including the Alexander Volkanovsky Ilya Taporia fight, I can assure you, this is going to have a very UFC 296-ish vibe to it where by the time we get to this card and by the time we get to fight week and probably even before that, we're already talking about this now, before 296 even, or before 297 even, by the time it gets to 298, we're going to be talking about Ian Gary and Jeff Neal. Like, that's the fight we're going to be talking about. Ian, Ian Machado Gary is going to be in the news. He's going to be making headlines. Fighters are going to have things to say about him. It's going to happen, and he will be the most talked about fight by the time that event rolls around. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So if that's what he was hoping for, he's probably going to get his wish. But all in all, if I were to grade the interview as a whole, C, C minus. Uh, and had he probably not had that interview stopped before the Neil Magny question, it probably would have been a little bit better. But yeah, I didn't think it was great. I really didn't. It was tough to listen to. But I, I did like some of the things he had to say about what he was dealing with. He was pretty honest about it. And yeah, but there were some things I did not like. <laughs> <laughs>
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Cole, go ahead. Good morning, Mike. I just have a question. So when when you hear like Poirier's taking this fight, I immediately think he's probably getting paid like seven figures to show. So with that being like a five-rounder and with the first ever five-round not main event being like, what was it, Edwards versus Diaz, do you think when the UFC is forced to pay these stars, seven figures or just insane amount of money just to show do you think they're like oh we'll just make it a five rounder and it makes a little bit more sense for us or like there has to be some kind of like logic where they're like oh we're paying this guy so much so i'm gonna make it a five rounder or it has something to do with the pay-per-view points or there has to be something more to that that like we're not really getting but and yeah man like anytime you're on anytime you're live on youtube turn those super chats on mike like the amount of free content you guys give us, you and your whole crew, like, man, I wouldn't mind throwing you guys like 10 bucks a week. Like, shit, who knows? Thanks, Mike. Well, it's something to think about. Uh, I've never done super chats or anything like that. So maybe that's something we can do. I don't know. Uh, work in progress. Honestly, like that live YouTube hack of the morning came about like two, like three or four hours before it actually happened. So. I was just like, you know what, let's just try it. And the powers of you is like, yeah, go ahead and try it. It's a random Friday, so I don't know how well it's going to go, but people seem to like it, so that, that's good. Uh, look, I think Pori is making close to seven figures either way, no matter who he fights and when he fights. So, But I'm sure at this point, with the options becoming limited and Poirier being offered a guy like Benoit Santini, who, let's be honest, we know who Benoit Santini is. But most fans who aren't us don't really know who this guy is. So maybe this was a way for Poirier to get like a couple of extra shekels and make it a little bit more worth his, worth his while to not fight at 300 because I know how much he wanted to fight at 300. But at the same token, I think the more he learns about Benoit Santini and probably going back and watching some of his fights, his uh, one of his teammates, Tiago Moises, uh, Fought Benoit Santini, got his ass beat. Um, and Tiago Boys is a very good defensive fighter. And I don't care who was fighting that dude that, that night in Paris. Uh, Benoit was going to pretty much do what he did that night. So this is probably a fight that kind of gives Poirier those butterflies that forces him to get up and train his ass off. Because as we talked about on the reaction pod yesterday, 
if Dustin Poirier loses his fight, it ain't going to be like he's not losing a 48-47 decision. He's going to get bludgeoned if he loses. It's going to be a vicious, violent ending if he loses this fight. I'm sure he wants to avoid it at this point in his career. And I'm sh- and look, there's a part of Dustin Poirier that wants to get back to a title shot. And his star power in today's UFC could get him there. But he's got to win this fight. So I think there's enough there to keep him in play for title contention. He'd probably get a few extra bucks to do five rounds and take this fight and not fight at 300. At the same token, I'm sure Dustin kind of looks at it almost like a home game because he does train an American top team, which is not that far from Miami, as much as he wanted to fight at 300. So all in all, like big kahunes for, for Poirier, I dig it. And I do think he can gain some stuff. Now, if he loses, he's probably never getting a title fight. He's completely out of the conversation forever. But, yeah, I think he probably got a few extra bucks to make this a five-rounder. I'm sure BSD did as well. And I don't know if you guys have seen the ticket prices for Miami. They ain't cheap. So the UFC is going to get that money back pretty quickly uh, by the time we get to fight night and that event sells out, which it will. It will definitely sell out. So. Yeah, they won't be getting pay-per-view points or anything like that. Terrence, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Uh, morning. So I have a few like conspiracy things to say, and then I'll ask my questions. Um, one thing I wanted to say is I think that they're loading up two ninety-nine um, because of what Aljo said, and it's going to sound probably stupid like in at first, but just hear me out. Um, they said basically he was like, I thought Sean was the star. Like, I thought my pay-per-view numbers would be better, and I got this check back, and it wasn't all that great. I think that they're wanting to show, like, oh, wait, he is a great star. Look at these pay-per-view numbers, but they're really loading up the 299 card so that way it can be great, and they can show the fans that, and also Sean, that he can say, like, hey, no, I did these pay-per-views. Look at this. And then also the stockholders and things like that, um, that they have another star in their hand since they're, People are saying, like, UFC can't make stars anymore. I think they're trying to force and make a star like Connor or Ronda or somebody who naturally sells, you know what I mean? Um, the other thing that I want to say is this is another conspiracy. I think that Justin um, is more or less, well, not Justin, excuse me, Islam and Ali are basically saying that he's injured uh, because he's the manager of Justin and he wants that fight. So he can, like, miraculously like get better at the right time and then Justin to have the opportunity to get that fight before this number one contender bout. You know what I mean? Um, those are my two conspiracy things. The question I had though was let's say for example one is going under this year. Let's say for example they do and they're all the players are on the chopping block. Um, how do you see a Sean versus DJ going or like a Sean excuse me, a DJ versus, like, Cheeto going. Like, how you see those matchups going? I know he's probably going to retire if that does happen or just in general. And also, if you had the opportunity uh, to purchase anybody from one's contract, who are you purchasing? Who would you match them up against? Thank you. Man, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. Malkin, I'd probably bring over. DJ would be fun, but I'd rather see him fight like 
Honestly, I'd rather see him fight the flyweights than the bantamweights. I'd rather see him fight like Moreno and Pantoja and, and those guys, honestly. Um, but yeah, I, I and, and I'm with you. DJ probably, if, if that's something like that does happen and one goes under, like DJ probably does retire. DJ is making so much money fighting for them. It's not even like, it's not, it's not even funny. Like the UFC will never be able to match anywhere near what one is paying him. Uh, I don't have like actual numbers, but I know it's like laughable when it comes to like the amount of money he's made fighting for one. So uh, it would be pretty cool. I don't think it happens, but um, if if they did bring him back over, I'd rather see DJ fight the flyweights. I know he doesn't want to really cut that much anymore, but I think like the cooler fights would be at 125. To the conspiracy theories, where do I want to begin? Well, we'll know about the Gaethje one uh, soon enough, one would would gather. Uh, Because if they announce Islam versus Gaethje for like 300, or for Saudi Arabia, or... And I'll get to the other thing that could happen. Like, if they they announce this fight for March or April, which I don't think it's going to be at 300 because of Ramadan then we kind of know that maybe Dana just kind of misspoke a little bit. Um, Cause that was the glaring thing from the whole announcement for me was, okay, where's Justin Gaethje and all of this? What's happening here? And if that's the case, if like Islam's really not injured and Gaethje is like kind of sitting out waiting to figure out what's going to happen. And then he's going to have to watch either Oliver or Sarukian get a title shot before him. Like I'm firing Ali at that point. Like he should not be fighting anybody unless it's for the belt. And if he has to watch somebody else skip over him, then what are you doing? Like, what are we doing here? Um, but we'll see how that all plays out. Maybe they, they, they booked it and we don't know. Maybe Dana misspoke, which is possible. Dana has misspoke many, 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 many times. The other thing you mentioned was the Aljo talking about Sean O'Malley not being as big of a draw as... Whatever. And look, we knew heading in to that fight, and I talked about this on the show a lot. If there is one, just think about what was going on between July 1st and August 18th or whatever that event was, UFC 292. We had 290. We had 291. We had Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, and we had 292. Now, Considering what was the trends at the time, if there was one fight card that an MMA fan was going to choose to skip, they were choosing to skip 292. There's no doubt about it. Like that was the easy skip of those events. And if you're not even, if you didn't give a shit about Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, you still have to worry about purchasing three pay per views within a six week stretch. And if you looked at the lineups on paper, 290, 291 were far better on paper than 292. And this is the Boston guy finally was excited to get a Boston pay-per-view card. 292 was the easy skip, 1,000%. And as we talked about even after that event, you can't gauge O'Malley's star power on how that pay-per-view did. What you can judge it on is being in that building, being there for for fight week. It was the Sean O'Malley show in Boston all week. People love that guy. 
They sold out in, I believe, outside of like a game seven for the Celtics. It was the biggest gate they've ever had. So clearly from that perspective, Sean O'Malley was a draw. He was the most popular guy on the card by a mile. There were Sean O'Malley wigs everywhere in Boston. They loved him. There were a million Sean O'Malley Celtics-themed jerseys in Boston. Everywhere I went, anyone that talked to me about this card were there to watch Sean O'Malley fight. So Sean was a draw in terms of ticket sales. What we will gauge Sean O'Malley on now is what he does with his next fight. So my whole thing was, and to go back to your conspiracy theory after that one, how I would do this if all the other options have been played out, if we're using Sean O'Malley and we're trying to, to push him as a star, then why are we putting him at 299? Why not just put him at 300 instead? Because that's going to do more for him, I think. Would it not? Like, I've been saying for a while, like, if we're trying to figure out, like, Bilal, Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad is not, is not it. It's not the UFC 300 main event that anybody wants to see. It's going to be flatulence in church. If Dana White comes out later on today and says, hey, here's the main event for UFC 300. It's Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. People be like, what? What are you talking about? That can't be the main event. If Makachev is really not injured and they have already booked this fight for Justin Gaethje, what I would do is I would do Makachev versus Gaethje at 299 and I would move. And now it makes a little bit more sense with Poirier and BSD as the co-main event. And then I would move O'Malley and Cheeto to 300. Like that's how you get cheat. That's how you get Sean over. That's how you justify pay-per-view buys. Which, by the way, and I've said this a million times too, the UFC doesn't give a shit about pay-per-view buys. Like, if they could do a million, great. It's just cherry on top of the Sunday. There's a reason why we don't know how many pay-per-views they sell. Because they don't care. They're getting a whole bunch of money from ESPN regardless if it sells one pay-per-view or a billion. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect their bottom line that much. What they care about is selling out arenas and they care about the TV deal. That's how they make all their money. That's why they're so profitable. It's not because of pay-per-view buys. They're profitable because of the TV deal. So that they could sell 100 pay-per-views and it doesn't change anything. They're still going to make a whole lot of money on that card. But if we're basing it on that, if we want to attach a pay-per-view number to Sean O'Malley, do 300. Just, put, just move it back a month. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's easy to say sitting here in South Carolina in my office as opposed to the guys who are fighting. But you think Sean O'Malley and Cheeto Vera, if they call them right now and say, hey, you want to push this fight back and be the main event of UFC 300, that they would complain about that? They'd probably be like, oh, damn, that's pretty freaking cool. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. But if, they're gonna do, if Makachev is going to fight in the first quarter of the year or the first third of the year, he's going to fight in March. He's not fighting in April. He's fighting in March. And he would have to fight in Saudi Arabia or at 299. Otherwise, we're not going to see him. And we, until Ramadan's over and then he gets a full camp and all that. So it could be June, July, and then he's going to fight again in October probably. I don't know. You're asking a lot of the man. So if he's dinged up, we'll find out. But I'm very curious to see how Justin Gaethje is uh, – involved in all of this 
if they're going to do something else, I don't know. Go ahead, Absolalia. Uh, Shop Mike. I, I hope you're having a great day today. Just have two, three questions. I'll make it quick. So my first question is thoughts on the Charles Oliveira Armand fight, um, and uh, what's at stake? Uh, do you reckon for both fighters in terms of their future lightweight, or as you said, the title shot? And um, you know, depending on who wins or loses, what will be their pathway for either fighter if they lose? My other question is, um, before, you know, with the Johnny Ankalaev fight, um, if you recall from the first one, who do you think was actually winning that fight before the disqualif disqualification um, occurred, you know? And just to add to your comment about the whole Sean O'Malley pay-per-view thing, um, I think it, from what I just uh, observed from your, your combo with the other uh, participant earlier, I can see that the UFC's business uh, clearly seems to be solely about their brand and not even the fighters itself, Like, which is fine because the brand is what's popular and what people want to tune in. But I kind of wonder, like, when people like Conor McGregor retire, John Jones, Adesanya, you know, like some of the biggest stars who actually have a name right now, what are they going to do? Because I'm not saying that they can't create stars, but I would say at some point you're going to need to at least have pay-per-view pay level stars who can carry the sport and reliable stars preferably who are active because if you're going to have people who are like Leon Edwards or like, let's say, uh, Pen Pennington if she becomes a champ next week or, you know, like, uh, like I, I guess, I don't know, anyone else at flyweight that's not maybe Kape Mokaev, like, how are you going to carry the sport? Because in my opinion, yes, I do see fans love the UFC, but I, I definitely think the UFC does need to have at least someone who can reach similar levels to Khabib or Ronda as a megastar. And, you know, you have other, other stars that can carry the sport that even get the non-MMA fans invest into the sport and bring the company money and the fighters themselves some success. That's all I have. Have a great day. I don't think they care about that. I really don't. We've had like, just think about it. We've had like four or five like actual crossover megastars in the history of the UFC. Like megastars. And Dana White's one of them. There is just not a ton there. And at this point, they don't need it. They don't need it. You talk about pay-per-view buys and all that stuff. I would guess every pay-per-view did like 300,000 buys this year. Maybe not the Nunez-Aldana card. Maybe that one didn't. But for the most part, they're probably averaging like 250 to 3, like at worst, for all of these. Like they have people like hooked in. Like they're hooked. And all these events are going to sell out. They're just red hot. The UFC is selling out arenas before announcing main events. Like they're doing it all the time. So... They don't, the brand is just so on fire right now. It really is. So I, I really don't think they need it. Uh, I think they're trying with O'Malley. I mean, how many times have you seen on a pay-per-view, like coming out of a pay-per-view, they just go right to YouTube and post a finish. They did it with Sean. I don't remember any real other time they've done that. So they're trying with Sean. And I think Sean is probably the guy that can bring in new fans. I think he already has already. So... 
I mean, they have him. They could build upon him. Is he going to become McGregor? No. There is going to. We're not going to see that again. There is going to be no other. There's. There's not going to be another Conor McGregor. There may not be another Habib. There may not be. There's probably not going to be another Ronda Rousey. But they don't need it. They don't need it right now. They're just. They're on fire. Now, four or five years from now. Maybe they will, but probably not. Like this next TV deal they're about to sign is going to be worth so much money. Like they're going to be set forever with <laughs> this new TV deal. It's going to be crazy, depending on where it ends up. So, I mean, we'd like to see them have new stars, but the UFC doesn't need to do that. You know who needs to do that? PFL needs to do that. They need stars. Francis may never fight for them in an MMA fight. He goes out there and dusts up Anthony Joshua in March. Like, this dude's never fighting in MMA again. Did you hear him on the MMA hour yesterday? My biggest takeaway from that is he's not fighting in MMA this year. And he might he might not ever fight in MMA again. If he goes out and has it beats Anthony Joshua, he's he's not fighting. He's not fighting in MMA. Why would he? Why would he? They got Cedric Doombay, but you have to continue to build him up. Like they need, they need stars. They don't have a brand. They, you can't. They're not they, even with like the Kayla Harrisons of the world, who they try to make a big star. Like those pay per views probably sold like ten thousand at the most. At the most, they need stars. UFC doesn't need stars right now. They're in the news. They have all the headlines. They're the brand. They most people think UFC is like I do UFC. They think UFC is MMA. That's how hot they are right now. So I don't think that's true. I don't think they need any like mega stars right now. They got enough. They get enough. Look at Sean Strickland right now. Sean Strickland is so over. He's not a mega star, but he's super over right now. People want to hear what he has to say. So they have like good potential stars, but they don't need like a mega star. They really don't. So I, I will push back slightly there. It's the brand that's the star. Four corner hey, sports. Are you hearing? All right. Yes. Perfect. All right. So want to get want to give my flowers to Dustin Poirier because I've been on him because he mentioned a couple weeks ago about trying to get um to fight Nate Diaz and and I said on the show it's like you know it's not a fight that you know many fans you know I feel like care to watch because it's like watching a movie that you already know that has the outcomes but we're gonna know that it's gonna probably go all five rounds and and you know and Dustin's and most likely end up winning and Nate's gonna have a moment. Well I'm actually really hyped that he actually took the fight against uh, Benoit Santini because um like you guys said on the on the emergency emergency podcast that you know, Benoit has never fought anybody of the caliber of uh, Dustin Poirier, which makes it even more intriguing because, you know, I would like to see, you know, w what levels and what heights this guy can go to, you know, when fighting a, a high caliber of a fighter of Dustin Poirier. And I feel like, you know, Dustin has the ability to, you know, really, you know, knock out uh, Benoit. I think this fight is going to extend out maybe to the second round, third round, possibly. I can't see this fight going all five rounds. Um, I'm very intrigued. I know everyone's almost the USC 300. I'm very intrigued on 
what's going to be for that Saudi Arabia card? Because I know Dana says that this is not going to be your very typical uh, fight night card. I imagine they're going to just try to, you know, um, stack this card up for Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, if Islam's not going to be the main event, I wonder who would be. I can't imagine them, them making like Muhammad Mahayev, you know, as, you know, in the main event, maybe, you know, on the main card. And then lastly, you know, I've been a very big John Jones fan and it's becoming incredibly hard to defend the man. And his comments about Tom Aspinall saying that, you know, I don't know who 90% of the people you've been fighting on, on your resume. You know, I've been I've been a champion since I was 23. Well, I feel like John was that hungry killer, you know, in his 20s. Same way that, you know, Tom, you know, is trying to reach the levels that, that John is inspiring. But it just feels like John is really trying to hold himself down and really try to protect his legacy and wants little to no part of Tom Aspinall because he, do, he doesn't want to take any risk whatsoever. And I feel like, you know, I feel like Jed, you know, was half-heartedly joking, uh, you know, when he said that um, that John was scared. And it, every time I see this guy tweet and people clap back at him saying that he's scared, it's starting to really feel like, you know what, he does not want that smoke with Tom Aspinall because he knows that, one, he's older, and two, Tom can possibly put the lights out and it could really put a, a big stain on the legacy of uh, John Jones. All right, Mike, that's all I got to say. All right. See you. Thanks, man. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, I have no idea what's going to happen there, especially if Islam's not going to be able to fight. So that's, I don't know. They got to make a decision real quick on that one. They got to do something real fast. The John Jones thing is just, it's kind of funny at this point. Uh, Tom just kind of keeps poking him from a distance, and now he got John's attention, and John is doing John things. None of this is surprising. Like, none of it is surprising to me. John's a, like, John at this point in his career has done it all. The man has done it all. And if you're a guy like John, you want Tom to chase you. Like, make him dance. Make him, make him chase you. That's what you should do when you're at a position like, like John Jones. And if you're John Jones, you're in prize fight mode. You're not in legacy. Like, John Jones's legacy is, is set. It's set already. He could retire tomorrow, and he's going to retire, in most people's eyes, as the greatest of all time. So, I mean, that's a pretty damn good legacy. And at this point, you just want to go out and make money. You want to make it worth your while. And right now, John doesn't think Tom is worth his while. Stipe at least has the championship pedigree at this point. And it's a very winnable fight for John, like a super winnable fight for John. So you scratch that itch, you go and get that, you retire as heavyweight champion, retire undefeated. I know the Matt Hamill thing, whatever. Uh, dude's legacy set. Dude's legacy set. He's just saying, Tom, give me some more. Give me something. Give me something. And I told you this was going to happen a while back. This is it's it's prize fighty John. John ain't here to just rifle through the heavyweight division. John is here to make money. John is here to be a prize fighter. That's what he's here for. And yeah, is he gonna pick Stipe over Tom Aspinall? Of course. Most people would. <laughs> Most people would do that. 
Um, that's just the nature of the beast right now. So I get where both guys are coming from. I understand why people look at John and they think he's scared. And I understand why people are reacting to this the way that they are. But this is John, man. John's doing exactly what I expected him to do. We got the deleted tweets and all that. And Tom's clapping back and trying to get John to bite. And John ain't going to bite, man. He's not. He's not going to bite. What Tom needs to do is fight. Defend that interim title. What Tom needs to do is make it feel like his title is real and John's isn't. That's what he has to do. And that's how you get John's attention. You get the masses just naturally saying Tom Aspinall is the heavyweight champion. Because the UFC is not going to do it. They're not going to do it right now. John's certainly not going to be like, yeah, you know what? Tom, you're right. I'm scared. You can be the champion. No. What Tom needs to do is make that belt feel like the real belt. That's how you get John's attention. That's how you do it. And until then, this is what we're going to see. We're just going to see John clap back. Tom trying to be, you know, trying to get the fans behind him. Seems like he's doing a good job of that. But this is what exactly what I expected to happen between these two guys. And if I'm Tom, I'm not even worried about John Jones at this point. I'm worried about getting that his belt over as the real belt, and then let John come to him if he can. If not, just don't worry about it. Just a guy. Yep, uh, I got you. Mike, uh, in regards to um, Francis Ngannou, I think you're absolutely spot on. Man. I don't think he's coming back to MMA. Um, with the boxing, I I think he has a good chance to make some noise here. I mean. He's already ranked in the. I think he's already ranked in the uh, the box the boxing rankings, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, and there's a real possibility he could beat Anthony Joshua. I still don't. I still think Joshua's chin is suspect. You know, and all you need in that heavyweight division is power. So, and and here's the thing about it too. And I was thinking about this with 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 Deontay Wilder. Wilder has the power. But the, the difference between the two is Ngannou's coachable. That man listens to his coaches, and, you know, the more experience that he gets, the better he's going to be, become, the more dangerous he's going to become. And who knows? And people may think I'm nuts. I think he could be champion, heavyweight champion in boxing. Now, I was also talking to a friend of mine. I felt like, man, um, Ngannou should have started with boxing from, from the jump. But he made a good point where he said, no, 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 this is good that he started with MMA. Because look at him now, he, he just skipped the line. He didn't have to, like, start from the bottom where, like, any other boxer to work his way up. He may not have even had this opportunity at all. But just the fact that what he was able to do in MMA and then uh, bet on himself and seize this opportunity, he won. And, and man, I, you know, I was talking to my cousin. He's, he's, he's a big boxing fan. I'm like, man, he thinks he has a shot as well, like, Again, because Joshua, Joshua hasn't looked great. I mean, after that fight against Klitschko, that went 12 rounds. I think people thought Klitschko won that fight, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, they but they gave it to Joshua. And I'm like, man, I, I really believe in Francis that uh, he could do something here. And then, you know, kudos also to Eric Nixick, you know, helping him out for a very long time. And then, you know, training with Mike Tyson and just working on footwork, being patient and just getting better over time. And, I, I, I mean, he's going to – I think he's going to look really good against Joshua. You know, I'm not nah, I'm not saying he's going to win, 
but I give him a good chance, man, a really, really good chance in that fight. And and um, as far as uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, I heard um, Four Corner Sports, I, and, you know, he's picking Poirier to win that fight. I'm just like, man, what is the problem, the issue that Poirier has always faced, grapplers? And when he fought, look who he lost to in championship fights. Lost to who? Abib, and then who else he lost to? Charles Oliveira, who are very good grapplers. You're facing another grappler, and you're facing a guy who has a granite chin. And I know Poirier thrives in those situations, but we're talking about, I mean, Benoit Saint-Denis, man, that dude does not stop. That guy keeps pressing forward. And if you heard him on the MMA hour when he talked to Ariel, he was like, dude, I love that, man. I love that fight, man. I, I love going back and forth. And he, you know, that Benoit's kind of built like um, Matus Gamrot. Like, those guys don't get finished, man. So, against, um, when those two fight, it's either going to be uh, Poirier winning by decision, a close one, or it's going to go the other way where he, where Poirier could get finished by submission or lose in a close decision as well, going to war. So, that's, that's my thoughts about it, you know, so... That's all I gotta say. Thanks, Mike. This fight's gonna be great. It's gonna be a great fight. And Dustin can't win. I mean, one thing if you want to poke holes in Santini's game, and it's good. You're right. He does have a granite chin. Um, but boy, is can that chin get hit? That chin can get hit. And Poirier, Poirier still got the pop. Uh, to land a big shot. Do, do I think he goes out and finishes him? Probably not, but five-round experience also matters. It matters a ton. And Poirier has been there many times, and Santini has not, at least at this level. So I love everything about this fight. It's so good. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, I think we're going to get a war, and wouldn't shock me if we go to the cards for that one in a bloody battle that has fight of the year written all over it. Uh, Francis, yeah, dude, Francis Joshua's good fight. Uh, it was the right thing, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. New York Rick tweeted something about a half hour ago, which, you know, going back to the John and Tom thing, uh, this is spot on in my opinion. New York Rick tweets, John and Tom are both right. John is right to feel that he's earned the ability to choose more widely known names as opponents based on the current UFC ecosystem. Tom is right to be frustrated and think that there's a better way for this ecosystem to work. I think he nailed it. I think he nailed it. Couldn't have said it any better. Uh, we'll go to Eric and think that's going to be it. Eric, go ahead. Santini, yeah. What the other guy said, I think Santini or Dustin might win this season. Do you, and one other thing, do you see uh, the trilogy between Dustin and Gaethje uh, for this year for the BMF belt? Thanks, guys. No, probably not. Probably not on the the, the Dustin Justin front. Like, why would why would Justin want to fight him again at this point? He, he just stiffed him five, six months ago. So now, I mean, if Justin wins the belts, could they do it? Sure. There's a story there. Um, but I think that's really the only way that fight happens again. And yeah, 
uh, Poirier Santos can be a good fight. All right, we got two more. We'll go rapid fire, and then I got to go because I have like 7,000 interviews to do today. Uh, Toke, go ahead. Two things, and it's going to be very short. Um, firstly, I'm going to say uh, I'm glad you're doing uh, things on YouTube as well, trying it out. But uh, I feel like the energy gets better in this uh, Twitter spaces. So if there was some kind of way to merge the two, that would be great because I watch a lot of things on YouTube. So that would be... But I, I like the energy of getting the call-ins as well. So it's kind of uh, double-edged. Uh, I mean, it's kind of ambiguous, I guess. And then, yeah, as I, as I wrote uh, on your last show, um, so... I mean, now we get this Francis Ngannou uh, fight instead because boxing didn't do the thing, and I'm very delighted about this. This is hilarious. Just ultimate karma for not booking the fight that you want, but booking, you know, something in the in-between. Um, so, yeah, gotta learn the lesson, boxing. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, more Twitter spaces and try and merge it with YouTube if possible. Thank you. Yeah, it's a work in progress. We'll figure out how to do it. Um, I don't know. But, like, people want a lot of different things with the show. Like, they like the call-in thing, but they want guests, too. And I feel like the guest thing works better on YouTube. So, I don't know. I mean, really, like, the whole initial plan with the show was to be, like, like, a lot of these sports that, like, have their own sort of morning shows. Like, if you go on the NBA Network and the NFL Network, like, they have their own morning shows. And eventually, this is what I would like this to become. Um, I don't think it can get that way here. Um, more so with YouTube, but I do like the call in nature, doing like a sports radio show. And, but I don't know how to really do that. And then, yeah, boxing not doing the thing leads to, you know, Francis, who has done the thing uh, and did it great, getting a big fight. So... And if Francis beats Anthony Joshua, holy shit balls. There we go. All right. This is it. Real fast. Uh, like 30 seconds or less crypto, and then I'll do – and that's it. Go ahead, crypto. Um, I connected a bit too late to the call, so I don't know if you have already talked about this. I guess that you have. But this Francis-PFL relationship, uh, it kind of reminds me of Mike – when you see this like 80 year old billionaire marrying a 25 year old and they have literally nothing in common where <laughs> this young model does whatever she wants to it's all about the money and so on what am i missing here mike i, I know that you discussed this uh, during the reaction like to me this is terrible news for the pfl i i honestly do think that there is a great possibility right now that we will never see francis fight uh uh for the for pfl i mean he's no young spring chicken if he keeps on winning and performing in boxing i highly doubt that he will actually fight in mma again ever um if i'm don i would be like what the hell did just happen or if i'm an investor mike if i'm an investor in the pfl and you're telling me that we signed this guy. I mean, this was, I mean, it's, this is a guy that has been signed to the PFL. What is, I don't remember the exact date, but I mean, it's been a while, right? And we don't even 
we don't even know what to do with him. It's almost like buying a Ferrari, but living in the middle of the jungle and having no roads. Like, yeah, good luck. You have the Ferrari, but you're not going to be able to use it. There's no opponent. He's making a career in boxing. And let's be honest, Mike. And, and this is, once again, this is no criticism to Francis. He is an absolute boss. I mean, he has played his cards in the best way possible. Uh, and he deserves everything. But from the PFL side, I mean, I would be like, what the hell did just happen? Like, is he ever going to fight for us? Like, it's it's just a strange situation for me, Mike. So I don't know. Maybe you talked about this, but I don't agree. I don't agree with Shaheen saying that this is amazing for the PFL. Francis doesn't promote the PFL, and he's no young guy. There is a big possibility that he might fight once for them if they're lucky. But I think that the PFL will look back at this and just wonder what the hell happened. Uh, so that's my question. And second, Finn, Mike, uh, talk to AK. Crypto, I'm sorry. I got. I, I have to go, my man. I have to go because um, I, I have interviews lined up. I have to. I have to knock this out. It's always started a little bit early, but I appreciate the thought. And uh, come back Thursday, we'll answer the other question. Um, we'll see what happens. Look, I, I don't. I kind of agree with with Rick and Shaheen because look, this. It's good PR, and they did get Francis at a rate. So even if Francis doesn't fight for them, like he's still valuable. He's still his face will be part of the promotion when they do venture into Africa. He's going to be a big part of that, whether he fights or not. Francis will have an attachment to that, and Francis will be able to help put that over a little bit. So there will be value there. Um, but at the same time, is he going to be an MMA fighter? Probably not. But you could still do stuff with Francis. Like you could still do a wilder fight, the mixed rules thing. You could still do that. Like you could still do that. I have no interest in, in Francis fighting in MMA right now. None. Zippo. None, none, none. But his name, his value uh, will help them. It just, it will. Do I, this whole co leader thing is, is nonsense. I think we could all agree with that. But. Yeah, I don't think he fights in MMA. But I got to go, everybody. Thank you all so much. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Yeah, I have lots of interviews today. So if anybody else wanted to talk, I'm sorry. Uh, I really have to go because I have to produce this because my first interview is coming up in about 20 minutes. So thank you all very much. Much appreciated. Back on Thursday. We'll do it again. Until then, everybody, have a great rest of your day and have a heck of a morning. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.